talking with his disciples, he said, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, we're doing a series called Tools of the Trade. And if you've been following along, you might be going, hang on, we're not finished yet. And it's true, we're not finished yet. But I really felt we needed to pause this week um, because the series of Tools of the Trade is built on a foundation um, that's really significant that we can't just assume. And it's really significant about what those tools are used to be building. What are those tools for? Why has God given us the Spirit and the tools of the Spirit to build? What are we building? And, um, and that's just what I want to unpack a little bit today because this is an amazingly exciting place because God is building something fantastic. But it's a little bit confusing and sometimes we can get caught up. This is the heart of it, that we are the light of the world. We are a walking billboard. Lights walking, testifying, shining light. And it's an amazing picture, but it's not a picture we fully um, grasp and we get confused with quite easily. And I just want to unpack a little bit of what it means to be light and salt. What it means to be the light. And it's not just a light. You are the light of the world. It's quite phenomenal, this idea And so often we kind of try to fit God into our picture and try to live life and live a life that reflects who God is in our circumstance. And yet here we can see that like a town built on a hill, it cannot be hidden. This is not something that we pay people or we there's some people who have a specific gift to shine their light where others don't. As followers of Jesus, the gospel, the good news, is something that we all carry We all live and experience, but we also reflect and shine. There's a little picture I want to paint, and it's a picture about God's intention. So you've got a little timeline here. You can see eternity is heading that way. A long time ago, there was creation, and God created everything with purpose and intention, and he said it was good. He then established a nation, a nation that he called his own. You'll be my people, and I'll be your God. And again, there was a lot of intention and purpose in that. Then Jesus comes. And Nath shared before about the intentionality again of Jesus. But you see, something significant happened. Because for the Israelite people, there were a whole heap of prophets that came and shared about the Messiah coming. They knew and were waiting for the Messiah. They had... Uh, numbers of prophets come and share about this Messiah coming. And the books of the Old Testament share a lot of this stuff. And I'll just give you, there's heaps of them. But, but once he is king, leaders of other nations will look to him for guidance. The whole world will worship the one God of Israel. He will be descended from King David via Solomon. The Spirit of the Lord will be upon him and he will have the fear of God. Evil and tyranny will not be able to stand before his leadership. Knowledge of God 
will fill the world. He will include and attract people from all cultures and nations. All Israelites will be returned to their homeland. Death will be swallowed up forever. There will be no more hunger or illness and death will cease. All of the dead will rise again. The Jewish people will experience eternal joy and gladness. He will be a messenger of peace. It goes on and on. It's an amazing picture of what this Messiah is going to do. The Messiah's come, but all those things haven't yet been fulfilled. This is a little bit weird. This is a bit bizarre. We've been waiting for Messiah, and now Messiah's here. I've known hungry people. I know people that haven't experienced peace. Not all kings will bow down and worship Jesus. This is a bit confusing. And the reason it's confusing is because Jesus is actually coming back again. They got a distorted picture of this Messiah coming and assumed that he was going to come with big fanfare and he was going to come like a warrior king and take over and do these things when he came. And yet, the way it happened was different to what they were imagining. I'm getting somewhere. Stay with me. There's this period of thing that Jesus set up where he established the church. He established a season for the church, an age of the church. And that is where we find ourselves now. And the part that is confusing is this coming of the Messiah twice. And it's called the mystery of the kingdom. And Jesus talks about this. And this is the, the, the framework on which I want to share this morning. Colossians 1, 25 says, I have become its, talking about the church body, servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. They didn't see it coming. They knew Messiah was coming, but Jesus didn't come the way they expected him to come. And I think we struggle with what this billboard, what to put on the billboard, what our what lives look like, because we struggle to understand the mystery of the kingdom. And it's actually not that complicated. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples in uh, Matthew 13, starting at verse 10, the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. And then he goes a bit further down. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. He then goes on to share seven parables. Seven brief stories about what the, this mysterious kingdom looks like. The seven parables are the parable of the sower. A farmer plants seeds, some lands in places that's fruitful and other places that things happen to it that mean it doesn't flourish. Do you know what the punchline of that parable is? Can anyone remember what the conclusion of that parable is? The seed that was planted in good soil multiplied 30, 60, 100 fold. That's where that parable ends. The next parable is a parable of the weeds. A farmer plants again, plants some seed. And as it comes up, his workers go, wow, you planted good seed, and yet there's weeds there. 
because the enemy had planted weeds among it. They said, do you want us to pull up the weeds? And the farmer goes, no, 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 leave the weeds there. Because if you pull up the weeds, you might pull up some wheat. And we want to keep the wheat. And he waits till the time for the harvest and then pulls them both up, throws the weeds in the, in the, in the fire and, and keeps the wheat. The next one is a parable of the mustard seed, a tiny, tiny little seed that grows up to be a huge tree that provides shelter and fruit and, and um, uh, birds can come and sit on it. There's a parable of the yeast. The lady sows a tiny bit of yeast into a large pile of flour. There's a parable of the hidden treasure, the guy that goes out and digs and finds treasure in a field. Do you know what he does? What does he do next? He goes and sells everything. He hides the treasure again so no one else finds it. But he goes and, and sells everything until he's got enough money to go and buy the field. There's a parable of the pearl, the merchant. When he finds the most precious pearl, he goes and sells everything and buys that pearl. And the last one is the parable of the net. They go out fishing and they bring in a huge collection of, of different things and they take it to the shore and they go through it and work out which ones are fish worth holding on to and which ones aren't. And this is the picture that we struggle with understanding. But if you look at those parables, there's some real consistency in it. There is some beautiful consistency. And that is they did not understand that Jesus was coming the first time in a very inconspicuous way. A king shouldn't die as your punchline. Yeah? Doesn't sound very appealing. He shouldn't entrust his kingdom to 12 losers who were nobodies, not qualified, not trained. He shouldn't have gone to the back blocks of the Middle East where the people that he was born into weren't even the ruling na nation at the time. Wouldn't it be much better to be Roman rather than an Israelite? They got confused about what God's agenda was. They got confused about what God's agenda was because God made it very clear that he didn't want to have a kingdom where he ruled with an iron fist. Because if Messiah came when Jesus came the first time and all these prophecies came true at that point, every knee would bow whether they wanted to or not. And God's heart broke and went, that's not what I want. I really want people to know me. I really want people to have an opportunity. I want to give them time. I want to give them an invitation to participate in the amazing intention that I had for their lives. I could walk in today and take over and tell them all, bad luck, it's too late. But I really, really want them to know me. And if I come and show them all my power and might, there's no choice in that. And so he did something way more spectacular than his authority and his power and his right was. He could have come, Messiah could have come and put his foot down and said, it's all over, all mine, my kingdom. But these parables talk about a different way, a mystery to people who think they want power and think they know how to get it. He says, I'm going to come and I'm going to plant a mustard seed. And it's going to look weak and it's going to look powerless. But you watch this thing grow. I'm going to let the weeds still be weeds. I'm not going to pull them up. It's like, what sort of a kingdom's that that lets the weeds grow? Because I really want every single good seed 
to grow up and become the wheat it was meant to be. I do not want to risk pulling out a weed that damages one single strand of wheat. I will let the weed stay. When the treasure is found, there's going to be some time that it's going to take for the person to go and sell all their possessions and and, and realise the treasure that they've got. I want to give them that time, that opportunity. And so the mystery of the kingdom, the gospel that we actually profess, that Jesus came and died to create a way to reconcile us to the Father, is a little bit bizarre because it comes in two parts. And the Israelite nation wasn't expecting two parts. That caught them out, and that's where the mystery is. But what it lands us in is right smack bang in the middle of these two events. And as people who are blessed and have the opportunity to be between these two periods of time or these two, these two events, we've got to recognize the mystery of the kingdom because that is why we're here. That is our purpose. If you think the church is the destination... If you think if we can only get this group of people to be a perfect model, you've missed it. You've misunderstood what God is actually trying to do. He's provided this season so that there is not one person, there is not one opportunity missed for people to understand, for people to grasp. This is actually really exciting stuff. We have a mandate. When we talk about being salt and light... We actually have a mandate that's beyond having comfortable lives or having lives that um, even have purpose and do good. We actually have a mandate to take that mustard seed that Jesus planted. He actually left it with his church. He left that mandate with his church and they went out two by two. And what did they do when they went out two by two? They shared about the kingdom. They shared about the good news. And I guess... What I really want us to grasp this morning is this is why we exist. We exist in this period of time to be light and salt to a world because God has put a pause button on taking over the whole thing so that, so that his grace can be experienced. Does that make sense? This is an amazing opportunity. And we have to look at every single circumstance through the lens of the gospel. Every single situation, every single person, every single place I've been, uh, I've been positioned has to be seen through the lens of the gospel. And this is phenomenal. This is really cool. In Revelations, the, the, um, the word that was given to the Ephesus church, and I'm going to read it to you from Revelations 2. I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles or not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you first had, you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. It's a really interesting concept because their theology was good. They were able to discern the right theology, pick the people who were, who were not preaching the gospel correctly or not, not having the right ideas. And it goes on to talk about the um, Nicolaitans, um, who obviously had some ideas that were not healthy. But the word was, love your theology, but what the, what's the motivation of your heart? Love your ideas, 
Love your thinking, but you've got to get back to the motivation of your heart. And in these parables, in this picture, in this understanding of the mystery of the kingdom, we've got to really grasp what it is that our intention and our purpose is on this earth. What, it is it mean, what does it mean to have the gospel? About 12 months ago, I was uh, watching Daniel play basketball and uh, I was a, a bit frustrated about uh, the way the team was being coached. Um, it was fairly aimless. Um, a well-meaning parent was just helping them run up and down the court. And I was like, there's so much more potential here. But that's just my frustration. I'll keep that to myself. But then I realized, and I was chatting to a couple of guys here who, who do coach, and they were sharing about how amazing it is to be able to get along these, alongside these young kids and be able to encourage them and, and nurture them and speak into their lives. And all of a sudden it clicked. I was like, ah, I've got this frustration. But there's actually much more potential here than what I saw. There's a potential for me to disciple a bunch of young kids through basketball, looking at it through the lens of the gospel. These amazing kids that for some of them have pretty messed up lives, have circumstances that aren't, aren't really that good, and yet I can speak hope and truth and purpose into their lives with a label of coach on my, on my top. Awesome. And so I stepped into that space. And opportunity came up. Thank you, God. Thursday night, we, uh, we had basketball training. Boy, they were annoying. There was a couple of times I made one kid run some, we call it suicides, where you run, run up and down. He just wasn't listening, wasn't doing what I was asking. Come on, suicides. Told you, you've got to listen. And I got to the end of the training and I was really worn out. I was spent. And as I was driving home, I was like, hmm, the perspective, the lens wasn't quite there today. I wasn't looking at them through the gospel today. I was frustrated and I didn't see them through the hope, through the love, through the grace through the purpose that God has for them. I missed, missed the mark. There was an opportunity there that I missed. I told a kid that he wasn't listening and he needed to get better. And maybe he did. But I didn't tell him how awesome he was. I didn't tell him how amazing and how, how much potential there is in him. And he's probably walked away discouraged. So I put an extra effort in yesterday at a match that we got thrashed, like we always do. But, but I put an extra effort in, especially for that kid, I wanted to tell him how awesome he was, how significant he was, how much I loved having him on the team. Hopefully they all got that yesterday. But I was reminded between Thursday and yesterday how significant it is. I had a nice idea at the start, but how significant it is that everything that we do is through the lens of the gospel. If we are the light to the world... In this season, in this period of time where God is holding back what we deserve. He is not giving us what we deserve. He's withdrawing that. He's holding it back. He's waiting because he really, really wants everyone to have the opportunity to know who he is and know his intention for their lives. He's holding that back. He's not coming because he loves his creation. Then we can't waste our time. And he said to us that we are the light of the world. Now tell me, does salt have to put effort into being salt? It doesn't. Does light have to put effort into being light? No. It just is. And so often we labor. We labor 
and we labor going, I want to get better. I want to be more. I want to try harder. The reality is you are. It is who you are. It's not what you do. It's who you are. That's a little confusing because we all can point to the things that we might need to repent of and change. And, but what I'm trying to say is it's actually being more of who we are and less about trying and, and programs and effort. I guarantee you there's people in your lives right now. I hope there are. But I guarantee you that when you look at them through the lens of the gospel, you don't have to work any harder. You just have to be who you are. You just have to be who God created you to be. And it's actually quite natural. I can look at my wife and my kids as a family, as, you know, we we kind of, we do this all the time. We go, I really want my kids to get a good education so they can get a good job, so that they can have, what's the word, security, security in life. But what does it look like when you put the lens of the gospel in front of that, the good news, this opportunity? What do my kids mean to me then? First of all, I want them to know the gospel. Yeah? What else is there to know? What else is more important than them knowing the amazing opportunity that this little period of time we've got now is? And secondly, I'd so love it if they were able to share that with others. Is there anything more important than those two things? As soon as we look at things through the lens of the gospel, all of a sudden, the picture changes. I don't have to work harder as a parent. I just got to look at them in a different way. It actually takes the pressure off, you know. It's kind of, it's in a bizarre way. Your labor is a bonus. Your heart, your attitude, seeing things the way God sees them with this pause on returning is actually really exciting. Now, I'm going to be very sensitive here because I haven't asked this person if I could share, but I just... Just felt prompted. I was talking to someone uh, a couple of weeks ago whose biological dad contacted them. Um, Doesn't happen very often. And they were like, I'm not sure how I should respond. And I, something really stirred in me. And I know God was starting to prepare this message and starting to stir this up. But I was like, you have a number of years of history of lack of trust, lack of... Uh, relationship, lack of experience. But what is the possibility that could come out of this? Let's put our gospel glasses on. Let's, let's look through the lens of the gospel. You've been contacted and your life is in a very, very different place to his. What's the possibility here? Could, could maybe they come to know Jesus? Like, could you imagine that? How amazing would that be? Could this be an opportunity for them to actually know Jesus. And in that moment, in sharing that, I realized how rare it is for me to be excited about that. The one thing that we've got to do, the reason the church exists, the reason that Jesus established his disciples and his followers was to be light and salt to a world. That's why it was set up. That's why I established the church. That's what we're here for. And yet we don't get that excited about it. If you are a walking, talking billboard for the good news, what does that look like?
What do those relationships that you have look like? Every single one of them is a precious opportunity to share the love of Christ, to share the good news. Every single one of those faces are people that when you look through the gospel, look through the way God's designed it, is an opportunity to pray for a guy who steals all your tools that you need to make a living. That's the gospel. When you've only got five bucks left in your wallet and you have intention for it and you see someone who's struggling and you give them that five bucks, that's the gospel. When you look at each of those parables, the mystery of the gospel was that it didn't come the way that they expected it. Twofold. One, Jesus came very, in a very vulnerable way. And two, it wasn't exclusive to the Israelites. It was for all mankind. They were the two things that were just a mystery. They were hidden. And there were prophets and leaders and people that would have loved to have heard about it and would love to have known. We know. We're not naive. We understand. What are we going to do with the mystery of the kingdom? With the awareness that we are in a season where God has put a pause button on, on completely taking charge. He's let the weeds grow. He's not making the final call because he's inviting us to give him people an opportunity to experience him. Now, I'm a big fan of the review. Does anyone, whenever I do anything, I always go and have a look at reviews. Does anyone do that? I always, yeah, yep. I, um, why do you do that? Why do you go look at reviews? Movie reviews? Why, why? Why do you look at someone else's review? You don't waste your time if you know what someone else is thinking. Yeah? Would you review someone's opinion that you valued more than a random person? Yep. We think that, um, you know, there's review sites. There's all different places that do reviews. God invented it. That was his model. His model for this time, the church, is for us to testify, as has been done this morning, of who he is. That's his design. And the, the problem we have is we think we've got to get it all together first. We think that we have to have it all together before we can actually go out there and tell other people about who, how good God is. But you're misunderstanding the mystery of the kingdom because did the mustard seed have it all together when it started life? Did it? Was it, was it a grand... Should, should the farmer have not sown until he had a field full of wheat? It's like, well, that's stupid. Of course he can't have a field of wheat if he doesn't sow first. All of the, the parables talk about something that is in process. It's not, not there yet. It's not ready yet. So we can't afford to wait until we've got it all together because that's not his model. You know when it's going to come all together? When he returns. Until then, we have a job to do. 
And it's an awesome job. It's an exciting job. It's a job of hope because it's the job that God gave us by his design and intention. It's where we're meant to be. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to thank you for your grace and your mercy. I want to thank you, Lord, that you didn't come in the way that people were anticipating. I want to thank you, Lord, that your grace and your mercy, which you've always shown, continues to be shown through your plans and your purposes for us. Lord, I want to thank you for the mysteries of the kingdom, Lord God. I want to thank you that you came in a way that didn't seem the way a king and a, a kingdom should have started. And that you did that for us. Lord, I'm sorry that I don't see my purpose and intention through that lens like I should. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would continue just to inspire us, to excite us, to challenge us. To see our intention and purpose through your gospel, through the lens of what you've established for this season. Lord, I pray you'd continue to break each of our hearts. Break each of our hearts for the intention and purpose that you have for this season. Lord, I pray you would give us a desperation. A desperation to be what you've called us to be. Not to do, Lord, but to be. We thank you so much that you have equipped us and enabled us. And Lord, we thank you for, for this, this time of, uh, of understanding of the gifts and the tools that you've given us, Lord God. But I pray that you would continue just to excite our hearts for your purposes. Excite our hearts for your people. Excite our hearts for your love for people. And for the opportunity that you declared over each of our lives. You are the light of the world. Lord, I pray that would be our awareness, our understanding, our revelation today, Lord. That each of us are the light of the world. Lord, there's times that we feel weak. There's times that we feel inadequate. There's times that we look and go, we do not understand. And yet, Lord, we trust you. Lord, we trust your purposes. We trust your plans. We trust the things that you declare over each of our lives, Lord. And so, Lord, we pray that in our fears, in our uncertainty, Lord God, that that truth that we are the light of the world would be something that we trust because you declared it over us. And Lord, we thank you in advance because we trust you for the amazing things that you're going to do through that light, through the lives that are going to be changed and transformed, for the people that are going to know you, know your love and your purpose, and experience your goodness like we've experienced because of the light that has shone through each of us. Lord, we just thank you in advance.
and we so eagerly anticipate. We so eagerly want to see that hope in people's lives, Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.